Our mission as believers is to rescue people and give them the hope that will save them from their sin. We, we know this. When the world fell, it was cursed. And that disease, and I'll put it, if you put it in your mental thinking of that, that disease is having a toll. And if you're not getting what's going on, you need to be educated at this point of what's going on. A sickness that invades anything can only last so long. Do you guys know that? A sickness or a disease or whatever it is can only last so long before it takes over and consumes and destroys its host. Sin came into the world. God said, I'm, gonna ha- I'm coming back because sin is corrupting, destroying. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, you can put your pulse, you can feel the pulse of the world around us. The world is dying quickly. All these things that we see, and I, I, I feel like for the longest time, and I know I sound like a broken record to a certain degree, that America was that beacon of hope. We were sending out missionaries, raising the, the level of Christian education, doing the things of being one nation under God and standing for God. And that has shifted as well. And it's not doom and gloom. I, I love how sometimes we get so frustrated and we're just transparent and open with God and we're looking up at God saying God do you not see this God are you not helping God are you not going to step in God why don't you do something and you guys are thinking just like I am and hear the song from Matthew West when he sings and says God why don't you do something God says I did I created you I died on the cross and gave you salvation and I created you to carry out that message We come up with all these excuses and we sit there and almost become part of the problem rather than part of the solution. Church, I'm going to tell you, if you're not picking up on the warning signs, God is coming back soon. And I think for some people, we've gotten so wigged out on it by the, the, the garbage of the world telling us that that is nothing more than scare tactics and Jesus coming back and splitting the sky open and the, the destination of hell and the, the, the reality of the rapture and the second coming and all those things is just not true. Those are lies of the devil that the world is buying into, but we know the truth. It is true. It is a reality. And God is coming back. So let's get real. What are we going to do? I'm being honest. What are we going to do? You say, well, I guess brace for the end. Nowhere in the Bible does God says, all right, board up the doors and get in the basement and, you know, let's hold weather the storm. No, that, that's not the answer to this whatsoever. Every time you see the news come on and they talk about a heroin issue, every time you hear about a suicide, Every time the, res- the results of marriages failing or whatever come on, I want you to have it in your mind to say, I have the answer to that. Amen. I'm serious. I'm not talking, well, the church has no. You need to sit on your couch or look at your phone. And when you go through there and see that happen, you say, you know what? I have the answer to that. I hold the hope that would change that. I could have given them the answer. I could have given them the, this, the, the salvation they needed to pull them out of there. We are the answer. So what's happened? I'm going to put this in language that we're going to understand. For most people, you're going to understand. This is the picture of us as Christians. Okay, This is, this is, what, this is what I'm talking about. This is what it looks like. Okay, If, if you're going to visualize this. 
This is kind of what it looks like when it comes to uh, us in the sports world, okay? So this picture is kind of a picture of what it would look like. If you were to see this, uh, of like the, 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 the crowd uh, of fans being uh, excited for, for what we're doing, okay? We're, we're all about, you know, and I even told the guys, and I'll explain later about the t-shirts and stuff. We love to wear the t-shirts, we love to get excited. We love to say, that is my team, and we're better than you, and we've got the answer, and you're going to go down. And we love the lingo. We love to stand on the sidelines and be able to get in everybody's face. And, and, and we, we, we know the lingo. We know the talk. We jump up and cheer. But I tell you, that's never going to get the job done because God's not called us to be these guys. Let me show you what God has actually called us to be like. God's called us to look more like this. God's called us... You notice that I had to use Buckeyes because I needed illustration of winners, okay? <laughs> We've got this adversary that's coming out. And you know why a lot of us would rather sit on the sidelines with our chip and dip as opposed to be one of these guys? Because when you get on there and you grab the ball, people are going to chase you down to knock you out. That, that, that's what's going to happen. You grab the ball and say, I'm going to do something. Satan and all the other Michigan fans are going to come after you. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just what they do. But you know what? We're on the winning side, amen? amen. And as, you're, as you go down there, I think, you know, you know what these guys would tell you when they, when they grab the ball? And uh, yeah, that's right, that was for you. <laughs> when they come out, they're, they're going to come smack out at us with the intention of, I am not going to let this happen. As, as Satan watches us as a church, he says, you know what? I'm not going to let this happen. I don't care who you think that you are. But guys, let me tell you, these guys would say it takes sacrifice. I, 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 they, they would tell you a long time ago, I had to put down the chip bowl to get out on the field. It takes blood, sweat, and tears. I'll tell you what, guys, it takes criticism. It's amazing how these guys will do ten times more than you ever could do. Grabbing, jumping three feet in the air, grabbing the ball, flipping in the air, landing in the end zone, and it's not good. And you're like, get your act together. (laughs) If I was out there, yeah, sure you would. You pulled a muscle getting off the couch, okay? You you know what I'm talking about. That's just not true. But, but, but criticism is going to happen. Because I'm telling you, if you decide to exercise and to put in the determination to do something, there's going to be on the sidelines of those sitting there watching you throw the ball saying, I could have did it better. And what's he think he's doing? You know what happens? Eventually we throw down the ball and just say, I, I, I don't want all that sacrifice. I don't want the devil chasing me like that. I, I don't want to have all the criticism of I'm trying to do my very best and they're just shouting at me and saying all these things. I don't want all the bumps and the bruises. Just, just count me out. And I just explained to you why 4,000 to 8,000 churches shut their doors every year in America. I've just explained to you why so many missionaries are coming off the field. I just explained to you why churches can report that they go almost a year without having one person saved or baptized. Because too many of God's people are thrown down the ball and walking off the field just saying it just takes too much. There's too much at stake and I cannot handle it anymore. Hebrews 11. You'll turn with me. 
It means you've got to take action. And the Bible says of the description of what action is, it's acting on faith. Hebrews 11 gives us this overview of all the amazing stories in the Bible. And I went through and I was debating on what to preach. And I, I thought, man, this is a perfect illustration here. And oh man, this and this and this. Then I came to Hebrews 11 and I was like, God like put it all in one. And I was like, Lord, this is it. I've got the story of Noah and Abraham, Sarah and Rahab, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, Daniel, all highlighted in one passage. The difference between all of these stories and us today is one thing. They acted on faith and the question is, will you? You you say, how is that possible? Look look at everything that happened in the passage. And I'm going to show you in, in a minute before we ever get to the first story about Joshua walking around Jericho or Gideon breaking the clay pots or David throwing a rock and knocking down a giant before we ever get to one of those. It all starts in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. By it, Joshua and David and Abraham and Jacob and Isaac made their way into Scripture to be given as example to us by what they did by acting on their faith. The Bible says now faith is the substance or the foundation or the basis of the things that they desired. You know, it all comes down to, verse 2, for the elders obtained a good report. For by it, what I was talking about, by their faith, they obtained a good report. Not their degrees, not their money, not their church attendance. Not all the things that we put so much emphasis on, God emphasized in Hebrews 11 over and over and over again. It was by faith. This means that God used them as examples of those that please God. Now, a lot of us would sit there and say, well, I want to please God or I please God. Here's the difference. Are we more like the fans? Are we more like that player that grabs the ball and runs to the end zone? This passage is not just about historical records of things that people have done in the past. It is an instruction manual of how we too can be heroes and leaders for the gospel. So I'm going to show you. What do we learn about exercising faith from this passage? Number one, it was personal. And I know that I'm talking to folks about this church and I'm looking in the face of a congregation or, or an army or whatever, but I'm going to show you guys out of every army and every story. Read with me. Jump down to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac. Verse 21. By faith, Jacob. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph. Verse 23. By faith, Moses. These are not nations. These are not kingdoms. These are not churches. These are people. These are individuals. These are somebody's husband and somebody's wife. These were somebody's mom and dad. These were people. As we read, the, the walls of Jericho fell down. And, we, and God says, yeah, 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 that, that, that's a cool story. Let me bring you back to how it started. With this guy. Oh, man, the, the Red Sea split in half and all these people were saved. And God says, yeah, 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 but let me bring you back to the, how it started. Moses. Oh, the whole nation turned and 
recognize the greatness of God because of the fire falling down. God says, yeah, but let me bring you back to a dude. Let me introduce you to Elijah. And then we sit there and say, God, I want you to do great things in our nation. And God says, all right, are you ready? Whoa, whoa, God. (laughs) Throw the ball to somebody else. (laughs) My chip bowl is full. I'm, I'm content right here. I'd rather cheer on the people in my pew. I'd rather ask Pastor Ninoff to do it and Pastor Tony to do it. I'd rather have these other leaders that have gone before us. See, God was pointing these people out, almost bragging on them, because God says, these are the ones that please me. You sit there and say, well, I please God. Do you please God? I'm asking me as a Christian, do I please God? In my experience, the greatness of God, Hebrews eleven six. jump back up there with me. Without faith, it is, what's the next word? Oh, let's try this again. Without faith, it is impossible. impossible. To do what? To please him. Without faith, God was saying, it doesn't say without your church attendance. It's not talking about without certain ministries. It's not talking about, God's saying, let me bring it all down to you. Let me hit Christians right where it, what it's about. Without you exercising faith, you will never be able to please God. And all of a sudden, that makes me really, really uncomfortable. Because you know what I do? I look at my life and think, when's the last time I actually stepped on faith? I'd rather take a step when it's easy. Take a step when it's easy. Take a step when it's easy. Let me tell you, Pastor Denoff, Mrs. Denoff just testified. They took steps when it was not easy. I... uh, Love how the next part says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You must believe that he is the one true God. You must believe that he is the faithful one. You must believe that he is the provider. You must believe that he is the power. You must believe that he is your help in a time of trouble. And everybody says, amen, I believe that. And God says, all right. It's time for you to learn the lesson of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all these other ones because your talk and your amen is not enough. James chapter 1 verse 2, you don't have to turn there. He says, my brother, encountered all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various situations of trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying, the testing. When you get to a place of having to get out of the boat, God says that's where you experience faith. When you come to the, the brinks of the waters of Jordan, you have to step into the water. That's where you experience faith. God was saying God will bring each one of us to a place where he says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Peter would say, well, I got out of the boat. Moses would say, I, I raised my arms and went across the water. What are you going to do? David said, I, when I was facing Goliath, I ran to the battle. Abraham would tell you, standing on that mountain, I, I placed my son down. But God says to you, if I want you to please me, I'm going to bring you to that point and say, what are you going to do? This is all about building our personal walk with God. When Morgan was little, um, I would do just like a lot of you did as a dad, I would, uh, I would put her on the bed and I would come away from it. And I, I was always telling her, I said, I, I want to be known to my daughter. Now you can judge me all you want, but I want my daughter to know that I would take care of her. I remember one time we were outside and a dog ran up in our yard. And I've told you guys that story. 
And I love how the fact that Morgan turns her eyes, looks for her dad, ran and jumped into my arms. You know why? She looked at me as a place of refuge. She knew because of past experience that she could trust me as her dad to take care of her and provide her. Do you realize that God has us exercise faith because God wants you to have that kind of relationship with him? Where you turn and you say, oh my goodness, the bills are coming or health problems are coming or whatever. And you turn and you run to a bar. Or you run to a pill. You're running that and God's standing there saying, no, I'm going to teach you to run to me. I am your high tower. I am your satisfaction. I will get you through that. So God does this. God says, well, I'm, you're my children. I'm going to teach you to do this. I'm going to teach you to experience my, my, my faith and all this. So put her on the bed and I say, Morgan, do you, do you believe that daddy can catch you? Do you believe that daddy is strong? Do you believe that daddy is faithful? I'm not going to do, do it the first time and, and, and then leave her the second time. So here's what we do. I put her on there and I say, all right, jump. I bring her to a place where it's no longer a thought about me or it's words about me. It has to be action with me. So she jumps, hesitant and scared, not knowing if I'm going to drop her or whatever, but I just get close to the bed. And she jumps, and I grab her, and I bring her back to the bed, and I put there, and I just step back a step further. I said, now can you do it? She's like, you know, okay. In my mind, I saw Dad do it once already. So she runs, and she jumps. And before long, she's jumping so hard and so far that she's knocking me over. And she, she eliminated the fear because she learned to exercise her faith in me because I tested her. I tried her. I brought her to a point and say, jump. Jump. So then it grows. So we, we get to the opportunities or we go to a theme park when she was little. And I don't have anybody at the time that would go on roller coasters with me. And she was, she was just little. And I said, I said, Morgan, this one goes upside down. And she just looks up at me, and I put my hand down on her, and she goes, let's do it, Dad. You know, just like, it was awesome. And she's just this little bitty thing, and, and, and sitting next to me, and we, she, she's my roller coaster buddy. And we went upside down, and she comes back strutting to the boy. We went upside down. And it was just all this stuff. And say, how, how did she get in that seat? Well, guys, just so you know, she learned to exercise her faith personally with me. That The whole point was a relationship that I could take her to experience greater things by teaching her to trust me in the little things. So you, you have the idea that Abraham and Isaac was about laying a child on the altar. And you're like, I don't get it. God said, I need to know that you will trust me. That I can trust you with the one before I give you the thousands. Some of us have not learned to trust God with the little things in life. And God's holding back the big things because he hasn't taught you yet to trust him. You sit there wondering why I struggle and why I can't get anywhere and why all these things are happening because God says, you are not trusting me. You're still on the bed saying, God, I believe you can, and God's still saying, jump. So we went to the pool, and I said, Morgan, let's do the craziest jumps we could do. So we would run, flip upside down, twist, hold hands, doing all these crazy things, and I, you, know, you know what I'm doing? I'm just, I'm just showing her. She's like, Dad, when I go under, I, I, I can't get up quickly. I said, Morgan, when you go under, Dad's going to be there to pick you up automatically because we're going to do this together. So we go to Gatlinburg. And there is a zip line that is a half mile long, 300 feet 
tall that goes over a river and the zip line goes side by side. And I get up there and didn't even ask her. I, I wasn't even going to do it. And she came up to me and says, Daddy, can I do this with you? And I turn around and I'm like, it's dangerous. Oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> they had to, uh, the, the thing around, they had to put weights on her to make her heavy enough. To, and I know some of you are like, you're a bad father, okay. So we, we, we get on the zip line side by side. We put our feet on this thing. They drop the thing and we go over this canyon together. Let me tell you this. Through my relationship with my little girl of teaching her to trust me in the little things, she's now experienced greater things. And a lot of us are sitting back going, I want greater things. And God says, then get off the bed. God's sitting there with the little things and you're sitting there, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. And God says, your talk means nothing. Nothing. Because if you believe that I am strong and powerful and able and I am faithful, then you're going to jump into my arms and God will be like, Let's, I'm going to take you to the next adventure. There's more over here. And God keeps doing it. That's what God does. God does it to us as individuals. She experienced greater things. And yet so many Christians miss out because they're not willing to jump. Guys, I struggled with whether or not I was going to tell you guys this today, but I really feel, I, I, I just, I, you know why? Because I'm going to tell you guys, I am a pastor and everybody has this mindset that he's just, he, he's got a greater prayer life and greater connection and knowledge, you know, just because I, I've got that title. But let me tell you, I struggle just like anybody else. That, that fear of stepping out on faith and, you know, I mean, the 12 disciples struggled with that. Only one got out of the boat. So here we are. A while back, we were getting ready to start a crazy adventure for Fellowship Baptist Church. God laid it on my heart in the middle of an economic fallout of, uh, of things going well, to, to, uh, or not going well to start the new building. And uh, we were getting together to, to do this and make this commitment. At the same time, Jen and I were about to sell our house. Now, just, just so you guys get an idea of this, um, I told Jen, I said, we have to be careful of what we commit to the building fund because of the fact is, and I know you guys are thinking, I just walked up through a number down, I was like, God is able, but I'm, I'm sitting there struggling. It's like, what do I need to do? And so we came up with this number that was a stretch and a, a big thing for us. And I'm driving around and I'm praying and asking God. And all of a sudden God comes back to me and I, I decide to do something crazy. I went into Jen and I said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. And please don't take this as me trying to brag, because I'm not. Because the only no thing that I know of God's faithfulness is what God's done right here, because it's, it's personal. I said, Jen, I want to double it. She said, you want to you double what we're stepping out and stretching our faith to do? I said, I want, I want to double it. She said, well, what are your, was your thoughts? And I said, I started thinking about it. We get a tax refund the beginning of each year. What if we took money right off the top of that, we put that there, and then we gave the rest throughout the year? Let's double it. She said, let's do it. So we, we tried God, but I'm telling you, here we are in the middle of a difficult time that we're trying to sell our house. We're trying to get into another house that we could afford. So we, we, we met with Cheryl and we put our house on the market. She walks in and she says, Tony, just so you know, um, I need to know what you guys want out of this. And I said, well, I want full value out of this house. 
And uh, I, I, we, we want to get into another house. We want four bedroom, full basement. I said, we need an extra room for a school room. I said, I want to be in a better neighborhood, but I don't want to pay high taxes. I, I said that we'd, we'd like uh, walk-in closets. I said, we, we, you know, all these other things. And she goes, that's, she said, that's impossible. And, and I said, I know it is, but I said, I, I believe that God is going to do something cool through this. So she makes a meeting to come back with us to talk us through the house of selling the house. And she said, I hate to tell you this. She said, you're going to have to put the house $20,000 less than what you think you're getting out of it. She said, the comps in this area are horrible. She said, what I'm trying to say is you guys need to find $10,000 to pay off the rest of your house before you get it. I said, no, we need to make that much money to put on the next house. She said, it can't happen in this neighborhood. So we start selling our house and we start showing it and doing different things. So my wife calls me up and she said, Tony, you're not going to believe this. Our showing didn't show up. I said, what happened? She said, they're doing a drug bust at our neighbor's house. (laughs) Cops are surrounding the house. They have guns pulled on it with a megaphone saying, come out with your hands up. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably not helping us. (laughs) My neighbors ended up having some sort of bug problem. And so they stripped their house of their carpet, their bedding, their mattresses and everything. And threw it all in their front yard. And I'm like, I'm up out there edging my yard. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. This is never going to happen. They're going to pull up and go, you know, we've got Sanford and Son over here. And, and I'm, I'm trying to do this. So I know this sounds crazy. I put on all black clothes. Okay. This is the dark side of your pastor I'm about to tell you. Put on a black hat. Got a pickup truck. And in the middle of the night... I literally crawled into their yard and was cleaning their yard in the middle of the night. I was stealing my neighbor's trash. Can you imagine getting busted for that one? Pastor goes to jail, stealing neighbor's trash. Weirdo. I had to get it cleaned up. You can imagine neighbors coming out going, honey, look at this. Amazing. God, you know, just. So they kept throwing their trash in their yard. And Jen was like, why would they not? They have some sort of magical service cleaning it up. (laughs) It was just all this work until the phone call came. And we got full asking price for our house. You say, that's impossible. No, that's my God. And here we are giving to the building fund the whole time and we're doing this and, and, and God stepped in and did what we thought would not be possible to do. So we're in this thing of trying to get out of the house and she, th- th- that company came back to us and said, can we use on the front page of our website as testimony of what happened with this sale? We were like all for it. They said, your house sold for twice the going value of the average house in this neighborhood. She said, this does not happen. But I knew why. So we go on this house search, and I found this house. Actually, Jenny found this house. Now, just so you guys know, you think I'm bragging right now, and the only reason why you think that is because I am, okay? (laughs) My wife is a Green Bay Packer fan. That's right. And here they are. She finds a house, not because of the land or the location, but because the street was Green Bay Court. She said, this has to be our house. I said, babe, I love you and all, but we're not making a decision on a house because it's on Green Bay Court. 
She said, but how cool with that? And she says, I'm just thinking of the address labels. And I'm like, okay. It's like buying a car over the cup holders, okay? This is not how you shop. And then we look at it. It had everything we were looking for. They set up the appointment. We were going in that afternoon. And she called us and said, it just went into contract. I said, what? I was driving down Winchester Pike. And I literally was crying out to God saying, God, I don't get this. Because it worked out. It was all good. It was everything that we wanted. Lord, it was, it was what you, you said. You said. You know what? The thing is, God wants us to jump and trust. And it is a journey of his faithfulness. And it's testimony of his faithfulness all the way through. She called me back that afternoon and she said, I don't know what happened, but it's back on the market. She said, Tony, your, your, your showing is at 530, but they're closing bids at six and I can't you get you in the house any sooner. We showed up at the house waiting for our showing to start. We ran through the house. It was everything that we wanted. It was bank owned and, and had squatters living in it. So it had a lot of issues with it. So we ended up putting a crazy bid on it. They called us up and said, in light of the testimony of your realtor being aggressive, we are giving you the house. $70,000 less than the last time that it sold. With the money that we made from the impossible sale and everything that God worked out, we took the loan out for the same amount as my house with Sanford and Son. We start going into the process of fixing it up, and it was a disaster of all this. But you know what? You have this idea that God supplies and God does things because you're looking at God saying, well, if it's the house costs that much, I'll sing you a check for that much. And God says, that's not how I work. I'm much better than that. God even says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. So all of a sudden, we start going to work, and one person after another starts showing up at my house doing all this crazy work, one project after another of getting our house done and fixed. And it doesn't look like this now. Ed Kaler came over and, and we, we wired things up and doing all these things. And because the house was so much cheaper than what it was selling for, that we were able to do all these things and get everything that we wanted in the house. You know what I learned? When God says jump, jump, because he's got a big plan. And you say, what, 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 what is the point of you going on and telling the story and everything? Because faith is action. Faith is trusting God. Faith is relying on God when things do not make sense. One thing after another, even, even our neighbor, Tim, wave at everybody. Santa, wave at everybody, okay? Tim is a professional Santa Claus. And um, I'm not just saying that. He truly is. Uh, and uh, Tim walks out of his house, my neighbor right there. And when we're looking at the house, and he said, you know what, just so you know, we've been praying that God would send us Christians to be part of that house. I'm going to tell you guys right now, and I know I'm going to have to speed up my message because I've totally whacked the time on this. God desires. He's up there in heaven holding back like this the blessings of what he wants to do in our lives. And he's just saying, did they jump? Will they jump? Well, they trust me because the thing is, in their mind, it doesn't make sense. And in their mind, they're holding back. And God is trying to say, they say I am faithful, but I can't wait to show them how faithful I am. I can't wait to show them how good I am. Because how God did of giving us the house and Green Bay Court and one friend after another and the price of it and selling it and everything. God says, why are you surprised? 
I said pressed down, shaken together, and running over is how I take care of my kids. God was saying, Tony, you took care of my business and I'll take care of your business. That is what God does. Let me give you the last two points really fast because I know I have taken too long already. We learn that exercising faith is personal. But we also learn that exercising faith is purposeful. Every story that we read in this passage comes down to one thing. And that is the fact that they acted on their faith for a purpose. God had a plan for them crossing the Red Sea. God had a plan for the walls of Jericho. God had a plan for Abraham and Isaac. God had a plan. They could not see the plan, but on the other side of the plan was great works for God. It is how God does it. And the very first of this, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered God more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And I thought, and I'm just being honest, I'm thinking, how did that guy make it in the hall of faith? What did Cain and Abel, Abel, that, that, that guy has, you know, one verse about him in the Bible, and it was all about him giving uh, of, uh, on the altar. See, Abel was not an action here in the way we think he was a man of faith, which pleased God. To the point of the story that God was pleased with Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, you're sitting there going, what's on? See, the purpose of what God was trying to do was to teach them the preeminence. Exercising faith, we must understand that God has us do this to prove in our minds that God must be first. Not just on Sunday, but in every aspect of our life. Genesis 4, 2, and I'm going to give you an education so that you understand why he's in there. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of the sheep, but Cain was the tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, of the fruit, and offered it unto the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstling of his flock, of the fruit. But Abel came in and gave the first. Because God will never bless when he is second. God will never bless when we give him leftovers. God is first and he will not tolerate being second in anybody's life. And all of a sudden we have this and you're saying Genesis chapter 4 and the first story in Hebrews 11. Because everybody wants to experience greater things and they're not understanding that everything that God did. The whole story of Abraham was this. He comes to God with one child. Not a whole family. One child. God said, I want the first child. They laid it on there and then God brought the multitude afterwards, not knowing if any would follow. That is trusting God. That is exercising faith. In our lives, you know what we do? We are a generation that Revelation chapter 4 describes. We're increased with goods and and, and we think in our mind that we have need of nothing. We have become the generation that is falling short of the generation that we saw on the stage. I'm being real and transparent because I am worried and I am concerned that I do not want to be a statistic at Fellowship Baptist Church. So how do you change that? We live out what God says. In that passage of what's going on and the example of what God's doing is God saying, I'm first. I must be first in your money. I must be first in your time. God will not take second place to Facebook. God will not take second place to Angry Birds. It's not a matter of paying, messing around with Pinterest and everything else that consumes our time. God says, my time must be first. God must be first in our finances. 
or God cannot bless. Without faith, it is impossible. So you can work the second and the third job. And God said, until I am first, do not expect me to bless. It won't happen. How did we get so obsessed that we will sacrifice for an iPhone 7 when we have an iPhone 6 in our pocket? How did we become so obsessed that we don't mind dropping money when it comes to dessert for 6 and $7 now at a restaurant, but we cringe when the pastor talks about missions and people dying around the world? When did we lose it? When our cable bills and our cell phone bills will get up in the hundreds of dollars for something that we never even had 10, 15 years ago. But now we think that we would die without it. And God says, if the church is dying and the church is not moving forward, I wonder if it's because we put God on the back burner and say, God, I have too many needs in my life that must be net first. You say, why are you saying this? Because there was a purpose behind every time God asked him to step by faith. How many of you today have been reached or touched in one way or another because of Fellowship Baptist Church? Raise your hand right now. Put your hands down. That would not be true right now if Pastor Denoff didn't exercise faith. You know why God said, I want you to go to Columbus? You know why God said, buy that land? You know why God says, build that building? You know why God said, expand the buildings? You know why God said that every single time? Because God looked forward in time and says, I saw those hands going up. I saw those souls being saved. I saw the testimonies. I saw the video. I saw the baptisms. I saw the lives change. There was a purpose because of their faith. And you're sitting there going, oh, it's just this, it's just that. And God said, no, it's way more than that. Let me close with this. It was personal. It was purposeful. And it was powerful. And say, wow, you pulled that one out of nowhere. I skip a verse. I've never incorporated verses 32 and 33 when I've preached this before. And then I'm just reading down through and I thought, well, I'll just finish out the chapter. And I'm going, whoa. And he says in Hebrews eleven thirty two, and what shall I say more say? And he says, for the time will fail me to tell. And he said, man, I don't even have time to go into Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets of how they exercised faith and all the good that I did from them. And listen to this, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped Stop the mouth of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. Walks valiant and, and, and fights, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. And God says, let me tell you what it did. Every time they took that step of faith, every time they jumped off the bed, every time they grabbed the ball and ran with it, every single time the power of God stepped in behind it. God shut the lion's mouth. God dropped the Jericho wall. God split the Red Sea. God subdued the armies. God conquered kingdoms. And we look back and just say, well, 
the good old days, back when God worked and God's saying, I still want to do it. I still want to do it. Hebrews eleven thirty two and 33 was not written to David, Abraham, and Isaac. It was written to you. It's written to me. God's saying, I can still shut the mouths of heroin. I can still conquer the politics. I can still bring revival. I can still bring power. But not without faith. 